Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, hi, TJ. Uh, sorry, I had some technical difficulties. Uh, okay. Welcome to Inside the Huddle, Episode 2. Uh, today, uh, we have Alex McCarthy from 247 Sports and Daniel Moglione from All Media NY, and he's also the co-host of The Big Show, which is another uh, podcast that covers Big Ten football. And joining me is co-host TJ Inman. TJ is another writer for uh, Hoosier Huddle, who recently joined us at the beginning of the new year. Uh, he might have read his pieces. I recommend that you do. Uh, and he's a welcome member to the team. TJ, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sammy. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to talking to both Alex and Dan. Um, the signing day is coming up, and you know, recruiting season um, is pretty interesting to me because IU has done a nice job so far of both in-state talent and attracting some guys from Florida, which has traditionally not been a place that IU's gotten a lot of players. I know Alex recently wrote about that, so I'm going to ask him um, how IU's gotten a foothold in Florida and what impact he thinks that might have on the program. Uh, as we, we've mentioned to each other in the past, that it's never a bad thing to have some good talent from the South, especially when those players are coming uh, to Indiana to play defense, which is something that we know IU has, has uh, not traditionally had a real strong unit there. So, I'm looking forward to talking to Alex about that, and Dan's going to talk to us about uh, Tevin Coleman. Uh, he was so much fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he can do in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. And to go into recruiting the South, Indiana the last couple of years have really hit uh, the state of Georgia hard as well. Um, Tim Bennett was from there, uh, Richard Fant. So they, they're really recruiting, you know, the Southeast a little bit more uh, than they have. And and it's very important. There are some good players in Indiana, in Indiana, uh, that they need to keep uh, in the borders. So maybe, you know, if you pluck a few three-star guys out of Ohio, out of Illinois, and keep those big-name guys, uh, talented guys from Indiana and state, and pluck a few from the South, I think you're you're going in the right direction when building a program. Yeah, I agree. There's been a pretty good mix, I think. Uh, obviously, you first want to take care of your own backyard. And, you know, we saw um, Isaac James from Carmel was a late addition of this class. I think he's a very, very good addition. I saw him play a couple times in high school. Um, I think he can be a playmaker for Indiana in the near future. But they've, they've got a few linemen. Uh, you interviewed one of them, uh, Joey Belden. So that that was good to see up on the site, and he sounds like uh, he's really excited to come be a part of Indiana and has been a fan of the program for a long time. So it's good to have those homegrown guys. And then, like you said, Ohio's a strong area. Illinois is a strong area. There's there's not a ton of big-name programs that Indiana's going com- to compete with uh, for for that talent, but we are seeing them, instead of going after guys that have an offer list that includes – pretty much only max schools, they are starting to beat out programs like Minnesota, like Illinois, like Northwestern. They're beating programs like of those caliber uh, consistently for players. 
And when you can beat those guys out consistently, you start to beat them on the field. So I, I think it's it's been a positive class so far, and we'll we'll ask Alex here in a little bit uh, what he thinks of the class. And, and, you know, they've got four or five spots left. Um, so who's going to be targeted? What positions are they looking to add? Uh, I'm interested to see what he has to say about that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you have to still look at the quarterback position as a position of need after Tommy Stevens left. Uh, but, yeah, you have Austin King coming in. Uh, you have Brandon Peters is in the 2006 class, and he, he's from Indiana. So, you know, recruiting, it, it never stops. And you're right when you say that now Indiana is starting to beat out schools like Minnesota. And, you know, they – flipped the kid from Iowa, even though it was David Kenny, uh, even though he's no longer with the program and he's playing at uh, Illinois State now, you know, you see them flipping, you know, a couple years ago they flipped guys from Old Miss, from Wisconsin, from Iowa, and so it's a real step up from uh, where the the last regime was, was beating out Mac schools and Sunbelt schools and trying to find these hidden gems, which you know, mentioned his staff did a very good job at developing but it still took a couple of years to get these guys on the field. And now at Wilson, you see these true freshmen playing uh, right away. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think where you want to get as a program is four guys for most of your class to be able to come in and redshirt so that they're, you have that extra year of eligibility where they're further developed physically. They've gotten into your weight training program. They've gotten into your the, the culture of your program. And that they can really exceed as fourth-year juniors, fifth-year seniors. That's where you want to get. But there are – you do want to have some guys that can come in and inject new life into your program right away uh, at, at the positions of need or at skill positions. You want to have guys that can come in, step in right away. But you also want to have guys that can develop physically, especially the offensive linemen. And we've seen that where they're starting to be able to redshirt guys so that they can have impacts not just as – young players, but be around for a long time and be really stable four- or five-year forces in the program. So it's good to see that they're getting consistent talent that doesn't have to play right away. They can actually develop a little bit. All right, TJ, we have Alex on the line. Uh, Alex, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, We're talking with Alex McCarthy from 247 Sports. He is Indiana's recruiting guru and the second most famous person from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, Alex, I hope you have all your footballs inflated uh, before we start the show, so uh, there's no cheating involved. But how are you? Right. I appreciate the intro there, Sammy. Am I second second most famous behind uh, Derek Jeter or behind Greg Jennings? We're going to go with Derek Jeter. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, yeah. uh, Indi- Indiana scored uh, uh, a nice recruit uh, this week or this past weekend after uh, three prospects took official visits. It wasn't the the, uh, the odds weren't too high that they would land uh, one of them. I think we discussed it is between fifteen and twenty percent. But Raekwon Jones committed to play for the Hoosiers. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what Raekwon could bring to this team. Yeah, Raekwon is a he's a guy who's a really aggressive kind of inside linebacker kind of guy. Um, obviously, was it was a Florida Atlanta commit before visiting IU. He decommitted um, 
close to the beginning of January, and he was going to take visits to, to Indiana, Southern Florida, and, and Cal. And I think a lot of people thought he was going to end up at Cal. Um, but on his visit, you know, this, this happens every once in a while where you see a guy who people assume is, is probably going to, you know, commit to, like, the last place that he's going to visit, and then something really blows him away on his visit, and, and he commits a little bit earlier. But he uh, he told me the other day when we were talking that he's the coaches have compared him over and over to T.J. Scales, um, just in, in terms of, of his body, where, where they're basically the same kind of body type, um, and they, they play very similar styles where they um, kind of crash up to the line of scrimmage. They're very downhill. They're very uh, they're quick guys who can cover a lot of ground as inside linebackers, so we can still um, wrap up ball carriers and things like that. And I mean, honestly, if Indiana is getting someone. Similar to Seagrass Scales, I think IU fans have got to be excited about that after the year that, that Scales had for IU this year as a freshman. And, uh, I think the coaches see Jones as an, an instant impact, early impact kind of guy where he can see the field early in that rotation, that linebacker, um, You know, especially with the loss of a guy like David Cooper who's going to um, kind of open things up for some younger guys to try and get in there, whether it's you know Greg Gooch who played, I think, all 12 games last year. Um, or it's one of these freshman guys like, like Raekwon Jones. So I think um, Indiana gets a, a guy who can contribute from day one and a guy who certainly seems to be really, really invested in what Indiana is doing. Well, signing day is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, Indiana still has uh, four or five spots to fill. Uh, do you see them uh, filling the spots with – any any quality players or just, you know, any need positions or is it just going to be the, the best player to commit to play for the Hoosiers is going to gra- or going to grab those spots? Yeah, I, I think the uh, the four spots are probably going to go. I, I think we're still looking at defensive back, whether it's safety or corner, uh, because that's, that's the place where IU really, really wants to develop a little bit of depth, especially after losing, you know, Tim Bennett, Michael Hunter, um, Mark Murphy, guys who have played so much over the uh, – Kenny Mullen, uh, all of the cornerback or safety position. Um, and, and it's not like they don't have talented guys there. You know, they have Antonio Allen, Shane Future had a good year at safety. Uh, Richard Fant, I'm a really big fan of in terms of a quarterback. But they still need to develop some kind of depth there, some kind of um, rotation where you, it's not just two guys playing out there the whole game. Uh, so I think they're going to be looking definitely at – at cornerback, at safety, I think we're going to see some some names pop up. Like like last year, you know, there were some some guys who just kind of came out of nowhere um, on signing day or right before signing day. You know, Darian Meminger and Robert McRae and Chris Covington uh, all kind of popped up out of nowhere. So I think we're, we might see a couple of those guys. But I know they're definitely going after uh, in terms of safeties. Um, Hunter Dale, who's a guy from Louisiana, who's visiting next weekend or this coming weekend, who. Uh, has some pretty good offers, and seems like he can play, and uh, and I don't think he has any other visits scheduled after that. So I think IU kind of has a has a shot at him. Uh, that would be a good get for them. Uh, they're looking at Marnez Ogletree. Uh, for a while, they've been looking at him, a, a junior college cornerback, trying to fill that position. So I think they're going to really be focusing at that position, um, and then maybe add a couple more guys on, on the defensive line, Jamal Milan or Milan, uh, who's a Chicago defensive tackle who visited in December. He's a guy who, who's always really liked IU, and, and IU has really liked him. And he was a high school teammate of Chris Covington. So I think they have a really good shot at landing some of 
some guys in positions of need, but um, come signing day, if there's still like two spots open or three spots even, I think they might just try to be grabbing the best players available at that point to try and um, just get some talent, get some athleticism in here, like we saw last year with them grabbing Covington, who came in obviously as a linebacker, as a kind of athlete kind of guy, and then they figured out a way to use him. They figured out that, okay, he's got the best arm on the team, so let's make him a quarterback. Um, so I think they might be kind of uh, moving that direction if we get close to signing day without seeing this class get filled up. Alex, it's TJ. It's TJ, thanks oh. for uh, yeah, yeah. It's TJ, thanks for joining us today. Um, I'm curious about the the safety depth that they brought in in this class, and you talked a little bit about it just now. Um, the additions of guys like Tyler Green or Jonathan Crawford, Omari Stringer. Uh, which of those guys, if any, do you think can have an instant impact on what is currently not a real deep safety situation at IU? Yeah, I think I really, really like – they've liked Jonathan Crawford for a really long time, uh, a guy out of Florida, um, a guy out of Largo, um, which is a, a school that IU's recruited quite a bit over the past few years, and they finally got a guy they've been really looking at. I think they really, really like him um, and just kind of his style of play and uh, kind of the size he brings to that position. But then Tyler Green obviously was a former Ohio State commit who is just a crazy athlete, um, 6'3", 200, uh, who can cover ground and cover guys and um, kind of can do it all. And I think um, those two guys especially, and Amari Stringer is, is um, played safety in, in high school, and I think maybe IU will be kind of shifting him around. Maybe it's more of a bandit kind of outside linebacker guy. Um, but I think – Green and uh, and Crawford there are going to be able to, to immediately come in and, and uh, have a shot at, at starting there next to Antonio Allen. I think it will probably, you know, opening day will probably be Allen and Dutra, but um, <clears throat> I think Crawford and, and Green are really, really going to push them. And, um, Green is another one of those guys where um, IU is just kind of continuous. Well, actually, both of them, IU is just kind of, continuously recruiting them uh, as they visited other places and as Green obviously committed other places. And IU just kind of kept on them, kept on them, um, you know, kept kind of hanging around until something happened with Ohio State where Green and then decided to to uh, part ways and, and Indiana was able to, to secure him. I think that was a huge, huge get for them. Uh, obviously, he's the highest rated player according to the 24-7 sports composite ratings. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to be able to, to impact uh, IU's defense immediately. Uh, I, I wanted to ask about something that you wrote earlier, I think it was this week, about the emphasis that IU's coaches have put on recruiting the state of Florida. Uh, could you talk a little bit about how they've been successful in getting a foothold in what is a really strong football state and what impact you think it could have on the program this year and moving forward in both recruiting and then eventually on the field? Yeah, the thing that that Indiana has always been able to offer, or not always, but the past few years has been able to offer guys is the chance of playing early. And, and obviously Kevin Wilson isn't going into high school players' houses and saying, you know, you're going to start from day one or anything like that. But when guys come in and they, and they take visits and they stay with guys like Clyde Newton, guys like T.J. Simmons, who played as freshmen, who started as freshmen, I think they, they kind of see that. They see a chance to play immediately in – a power conference in a really the, the strongest division in, in that conference, and that really attracts them, I think. Um, and then Indiana's just been able to 
Kevin Wilson's built a staff that has had really, really strong Florida ties. Greg Fry has recruited Florida for years, going back to his Michigan days, going back even before that. He's always been a guy whose who's foothold is in Florida. Uh, William Inch has been really strong recruiting Florida, Noah Joseph. So I think it's kind of just developing those long-term relationships with, with schools, with coaches, with players, um, and they've been able to, to kind of use that to their advantage um, because uh, really it, it's very difficult for Indiana to be able to, to get down there to fly there because they have to fly their coaches down there. So it's really a kind of program-wide commitment in terms of budgeting flights down there, budgeting things down there. Um, it's something that, you know, when Fred Glass hired Kevin Wilson a few years ago, he was basically saying that, that Indiana is going to start making a, uh, more in-depth commitment to the football program. And that's what we're seeing pay off here, especially in the Florida recruiting, is that they're able to, to put, a little more, put a little bit more money into the recruiting effort, into you know sending out mail to these guys in Florida, into visiting them, things like that. Uh, and, it's, and it's paid dividends. I mean, they've gone from, um, in 2012, they only got one guy from Florida. 2013, they got three. 2014, they got four. And then this year, so far, they have five. Uh, and their last four commits have all been from the state of Florida. Uh, and, and we've seen those, those Florida players really play well. Obviously, T.J. Simmons, Greg Gooch, uh, Clyde Newton um, have all made an impact at the linebacker position. And I expect, um, you know, maybe not this year, but maybe next year, Delroy Baker is going to be a huge part of that offensive line. Uh, Tony Fields last year at safety. Uh, so it's really, really paid off for them. They, they've obviously, you know, reading off all those names, they've obviously focused on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and they've been able to give these guys a shot uh, to play early, which I think is, is a huge, huge deal for you know, a 17, 18-year-old kid um, who wants to immediately start playing college football. All right, Alex, we'll get you out of here on this question real quickly because uh, we have our other guests on the line. Uh, Indiana now sits at eighth in the Big Ten. Uh, do you see them moving up or moving down? Uh, where do you think they finish in the conference? Um, I, I think they definitely have a shot to, uh, you know, if they get like Jamal Milan or, or especially like a hard Dale, I think they can jump uh, Northwestern. I think certainly um, maybe not. It's, I think we'll probably finish right around seven, maybe six if they get um, someone kind of out of nowhere closer, closer to signing day. But uh, I think they're, they're fairly close behind Northwestern at the moment, uh, Maryland and then Nebraska are a little bit uh, ahead of them. If I remember correctly. Uh, but I think they, they do have a shot to, to pass Northwestern in, in this class, which I, I think they can they can definitely do. And it's a shame that um, the UAB transfers don't count on the 24/7 composite um, recruiting rankings because IU would be um, a couple spots higher probably with, with Jordan Howard and um, Marky e. Hawkins and those guys. But uh, looking at strictly high school guys, I think they can they can probably finish seventh, which is for Indiana, you know, it's it's finishing in the middle of the pack in terms of recruiting class in the Big Ten and finishing ahead of uh, you know, schools like Iowa, Minnesota, who have, Michigan, who have had success, obviously. Um, that would be kind of a big message for, for Indiana to send. Right. All right, Alex. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure talking, recruiting with you, and uh, we hope to talk to you later. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, next we have uh, joining us Daniel Moglione from All Media NY and co-host of The Big Show. Uh, Dan, welcome to uh, Inside the Huddle. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Sammy. How's it going? 
Good. I, I hate to take you, tear you away from the, the Jets press conference and maybe the uh, tail end of your Knicks celebration from their big uh, sixth win of the year the other day. Uh, but, you know, the NFL draft is coming up uh, in May, and I just wanted to talk about a little bit about Tevin Coleman and what his prospects are for the draft. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, you compared Tevin Coleman. Uh, you said in your piece on All Media and Why you compared him to. You said that CBS compares him to Darren McFadden and Demarco Murray, um, and, and he looks like he's going to project in the second round. Uh, where do you see him going, and, and what strengths would he bring to uh, an NFL team? Oh, yeah, I'd probably see him going somewhere in that early to mid-second round. Um, That's partially due to his talent level and also partially due to the fact that the running back position has clearly been uh, devalued in the NFL throughout the league, regardless of the level of the prospect. So unless you're talking about an elite, elite guy, um, which this draft doesn't have and maybe could have had if Todd Gurley didn't have injury question marks, it's going to be a fighting battle for almost, you know, any running back prospect to get into the first round. But I think Coleman ranks in there right behind Gurley and, and probably uh, Melvin Gordon III as, you know, probably your number three running back in this class. That seems to be somewhat of a consensus, and I kind of agree with that. So I think early second round, maybe mid-second round would be a good spot for him. In terms of what he brings to the table, I think that's the beauty of Tevin Coleman is he brings a lot to the table. He does have – uh, a, a nice big frame at six feet inches, 210 pounds. Uh, obviously, if you've seen Indiana play even one game this season, you know he's got that home run hitting speed. Uh, the guy just breaks off 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, 70, 80, 90 yard runs uh, on a you know regular basis, at least more than anybody else in the country had uh, this past season. So he gives you the ability to both run between the tackles, where I think he, you know, he's I wouldn't say he's a power back but he brings enough power and size to the battle where he can run between the trenches. He, he's a very shifty runner. He's not necessarily that guy that's going to, you know, be out in space and, and kind of breaking ankles in the, in the open field the way, you know, like a Reggie Bush did back in, you know, his, his playing days at USC. He's not that kind of guy. But he does have that shiftiness in traffic between the tackles where he kind of hits a pile and, and it doesn't look like there's a big hole there. Yet, despite his big frame, he's kind of able to contort his body and, and get through those holes. And then, boy, once he gets through that hole, watch out, because he will outrun your DBs. So, um, you know, he, he gives you that combination of both being able to be a workman-type back, and he showed that this season with 270 carries and multiple games, well over 20 carries, where he can be your bell cow if you need him to be, and he also provides you that big play potential as well. Right. Uh so we all know that he has that big playability. Uh, as uh, we, you know, we found out we saw him break runs against all the teams he played against, uh, save for Penn State. But um, you know, watching him play, it's really amazing at what he does. Especially, I, I covered him when they were at Rutgers, and some of the Rutgers writers uh, were like, "That was the quietest 300-yard rushing game." Ever and and you kind of became spoiled with Tevin Coleman's ability to break these uh, big runs because it happens so often, um, and it became routine that he would run for 150, 200, 250 yards, and uh, so you kind of got spoiled there. Uh, Dan, what team would he if 
you know, you have to ideally put him on a team. What team would he fit uh, best in? Uh, you know, I think there's a bunch of spots that, that he could go to in, in the NFL. Uh, you know, that's something I had included in my piece as well. You know, obviously you look at a team, uh, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, where they were basically pulling off the guys off the street to start in, in a playoff game at the running back position. I think they had the lowest combined carries ever uh, among, uh, you know, NFL running backs for a team in a playoff game, and, and they're one of the worst running league uh, – excuse me, one of the worst running teams in the league. So they could certainly use a feature back. Um, you know, I think you had the uh, two Trent Richardson teams, right? The, the last guy that was really hyped up in that top five pick at the running back position, the team that drafted him, the Cleveland Browns, um, they're still looking for a feature type back and the team that wasted a first-round pick by trading for Mr. Richardson, the Indianapolis Colts. They're another team that, you know, had to find a running back in Dan Boom Heron and, and bring him in, uh, you know, during the season to be there running back with Ahmad Bradshaw out with an injury as well. So, and, and that would be a chance for Coleman. You know, I know he's not from the state of Indiana, but to stay home within the state where he played his college ball, I'm sure Andrew Luck would like to have a guy like Coleman in the backfield and, and maybe get it on the turf and make him a, an explosive runner as well. Uh, you have playoff-type teams who might be picking later in the first round who might be tempted, uh, maybe the New England Patriots even, uh, picking late. Uh, Teams like the Seattle Seahawks, you know, in season there was rumors that Marshawn Lynch, this might be his last year in Seattle. The Dallas Cowboys obviously have a big decision to make with uh, DeMarco Murray. Are they going to keep him? Are they going to keep Des Bryant? From what you hear Jerry Jones saying, there's a decent chance they're going to let one of that, one of those guys go. If Murray's the guy to go, Coleman's the guy that could probably step in and, and play from day one. Um, I, I look at a team like uh, the St. Louis Rams is definitely desperate for a feature-type back. A team like the Jaguars, who had an okay running game, you know, uh, Big Ten player there, Denard Robinson, had a pretty nice season as he's uh, adjusting and acclimating himself to the running back position. But I think they like to add a back with a more traditional type runner who can run between the tackles. And I think Coleman might be a good fit there. A nice one-two punch with Denard Robinson, a, a fun Big Ten combo. And, and Sammy, you know, while, while the big plays are what, you know, get on the highlights and draw the attention. I, I'm telling you, I'm sure the NFL scouts are probably more impressed with his ability to get those yards between the tackles because ultimately, no matter who you are at the NFL level, it's going to be hard to make a living getting 50, 60, 70-yard runs. It's one thing to do at the college level. It's not that easy in the NFL. And if, if Coleman was a back that only relied on those big plays, I don't think he would be as highly thought of as a prospect. The fact that he gives you that ability – to run between the tackles and has a good has good size and has that shiftiness to get those extra couple yards with his lean, I think really that's what probably excites the NFL scouts the most. The big play potential is kind of like the icing on the cake. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. A lot of teams uh, have a need at running back, and uh, I know Indiana fans would love to see him in the Colts blue. Uh, Dan, thanks for hopping on today. Uh, we hope to join uh, join the podcast again, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thanks for your time. Love to come on and talk, you know, either Big Ten or NFL draft, or, or you know, I'll even talk some Jets and, and oh, I'm, even for you, Sammy, only for you, I may even talk some Knicks basketball. Oh, boy. All right. Well, maybe they'll have a winning streak uh, the next time we come on. Uh, but, hey, uh, two in a row. Uh, <laughs> there. They're, they're one win away from two in a row. One win away from two in a row. All right. Thanks, Dan. No problem. 
All right, TJ. Well, you heard from Dan and we heard from Alex. I, I think the most interesting part is that, uh, you know, he, he really likes Tevin Coleman, and I think he thinks the scouts like Tevin Coleman. And I think it would be, you know, great for recruiting to have another IU player go in the first or second round uh, in back-to-back years. You had uh, you had Cody Latimer uh, last year going the second round to the Broncos. So what are your thoughts about that? I think that Tevin Coleman translates really, really well to the NFL. I'm not an expert on, you know, how running backs translate, and it, it oftentimes it's just a lot about where you end up and the fit that you have with that specific team and the opportunity that you get. But I think certainly as highly as Tevin Coleman is going to be drafted, I think he'll probably go in the second round. When you're picked in the second round, the opportunity is going to be there. I definitely think he will seize that opportunity and perform pretty well. And you're right, that can only do good things for recruiting when you have a player, especially one at a high-profile position like running back, that's consistently performing. That definitely helps the program when recruits turn it on and say, oh, yeah, Tevin Coleman, they see on Sunday Night Football, his headshot comes up and he'll be saying, Tevin Coleman running back Indiana University, that helps. That's a big deal. And I think that that will certainly, uh, not just running backs, but any players are going to see that and say, yeah, I can go there. It's not a not a traditionally strong program, but I can go there and get where I want to go as a football player, get to that next level. Uh, and that's a big deal when guys see that. So I totally uh, agree, to Yeah, We're running out yeah, of good time. We've got about 10 that. seconds left. Um, but you can follow us at HoosierHuddle.com. I'm sorry to cut you off, TJ. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, we were out of time. There were 10 seconds left, and the thing was yelling at me. But uh, we'll work on that. We'll but see you I, next I week. Show went, yeah, I thought the show went well. And, uh, yeah, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, we will see you next week. Thank you, Sammy. All right, thank you.